Friday. And if you came through for, for our interactive Reflections of the Cross, it was a wonderful experience. I want to say thanks for all those that helped us set that up. And then also we had a, a barbecue dinner that night. Um, Emery, where are you? Right there. He's the man. He made like more, more ribs than you can ever imagine. Thank you. They were wonderful. Great job there. Give him a big hand. And then I want to mention, as far as the five-step prayer model, the training this coming Saturday, if you haven't done that and you're part of our church, I want to encourage you to jump into that because, so for some of you, you'll say, oh, I'm actually, I would love to pray and minister for people at the end of the service. And for others, you'll say, that's just not me. But guess what? God still does call each and every one of us to pray for people in our community. And this is a way to get that training. So I want to encourage you to jump in, sign up for that training. It's this coming Saturday. Um, well, we are finishing a series called Leap of Faith. And this has been a great series for my heart. It's challenged me to, to move forward and rethink some things and, and step out in taking little leaps of faith. And some of you have been following our 40 days, um, 40 day practices. I want to encourage you guys to keep going. We, the reason why we had those is to kind of set you up for a lifetime of the adventure of following Jesus and what that could look like. So today my title of my sermon is God of the Mulligan. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So um, it was a sunny Saturday morning, perfect for golf. A man was beginning his pre-swing routine when a voice came up over, the, it was the clubhouse speaker, and it said this, would the gentleman on the ladies' tee please back up to the men's tee? <laughs> the man was deep in his routine. He seemed unaffected. He, he took a practice swing. Um, and then the voice came back up on the loudspeaker again. Would the man at the women's tee please back up to the men's tee? And it was too much for the man. He blew it. And finally, he broke his stance. He lowered his club back to the ground. He raised his voice and said, Would the announcer in the clubhouse please quiet, be quiet as I am taking my second shot? <laughs> so if, if you haven't played golf, there's like the men's is farther back and then there's the women's tee. Well, he didn't make it very far in his first shot. But I want to say that's a moment in your life when you take a mulligan. Now, some of you don't know what a mulligan is because it's, it's mostly a golf term, but a mulligan is a do-over. It's a second chance. You just get to go again. It's like a freebie. Like you just start over again. It's as if the first shot had never happened. It's a fresh beginning. So one time I was golfing at this golf course in Michigan, and it was called um, Country Meadows. It was, I was on the third hole, and it was a par three. And right, it was like, 20 feet, and then you jump over this, uh, this, this big pond, and basically it was an 80-yard shot. You'd use one of your irons to get there. And so I have my tee up. I'm ready to go. I swing. And, but but I, let me frame it, frame it right. Before I swing, right behind me, because it's, it's a Saturday, and everybody's out in the golf course. You had like five groups waiting so the pressure for a young man is like through the roof, right? And all, I top the ball, I swing, I, I top the ball. And it literally goes dip, 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 and into the pond. 
So embarrassing, right? And then you have to set your second ball up like 20 feet away and go again. And so in that moment, my dad said this. He said, mulligan for my son. And I smiled. And you, you, unless you get the audience's approval at that point, you, you don't want to take your mulligan. Uh, just because there's so many people. And finally, he said, mulligan for my son a second time. And then everybody in the, like, uh, the whole group waiting, there was like 15, 16 people. They all started shouting, mulligan, mulligan. <laughs> now the pressure was on me. But I got a second ball. I put it up on that tee. I had my iron. It was probably eight, nine iron. And I swing, and it, I chip it, and it go, lands right on the edge of the green. And everybody cheers. <laughs> it was an awesome moment. But wouldn't it be wonderful to take mulligans in other areas of our life? Think about that. A policeman stops you for speeding, and you just tear up the ticket and say, thanks, officer, I'll be taking my mulligan. <laughs> the, bank, the bank sends you a notice because you bounced a check. Mulligan. You have an argument with a friend or your spouse. Mulligan. You botch a test. Mulligan. You blow a presentation at work. Mulligan. You invest in the wrong company. Mulligan. You forget to send out your taxes. Mulligan. Just take a mulligan. No questions asked. No penalties assigned. Now the truth is that we all need mulligans. And sometimes we need mulligans for whole areas of our life, not just these smaller subcategories. Sometimes we need mulligans for big picture, big issues in our lives. And if there's one way that we constantly underestimate God, it's in his loving, gracious ability to forgive and offer us mulligans over and over and over again. So John's gospel tells a story for anybody who has ever been broken by failure um, in need of a mulligan. He shares this story with us, and I want to talk about that story. So if you have Bibles, turn to John 21. So after Jesus died on the cross, Peter, one of the 12 disciples, goes back to fishing. His profession before he met Jesus. So he goes back in time. And he goes back to what he was doing before that three-year period with Jesus. And here's John 21, verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got out into the boat. But, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood there on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So it's probably 6 a.m. Peter and his friends have been fishing all night and they've caught nothing at all. All night long. Just imagine that like work, 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 nothing at all. And Jesus calls them from the shore, a voice that they've heard before, but they don't yet recognize. Friends, haven't you any fish? And um, the question has a little sting to it, doesn't it? It's designed to see if they can be honest, acknowledge reality, acknowledge a night of failure. 
and a remarkable thing happens. The group of fishermen admit that they've caught nothing. That's a miracle for fishermen, I want you to know. They don't even comment on the one that got away. And Jesus says, try again. This side, try on the right side. And they do. Soon, their net is so full, they can't lift it up into the boat. And suddenly, they realize who this voice is. <gasps> it's Jesus. Peter's filled with emotion, and he jumps out into the water, and he begins to swim back to shore. So Peter gets to shore, and he found Jesus making breakfast. And he had started a fire, and John includes a little detail. It was a charcoal fire, and that's important. So let's look at John 21, 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with a fish on it and some bread. Because there was a reason for this. Because in John 18, 18, when Peter was asked, Peter was asked three times if he knew Jesus, if he was a disciple of Jesus, and three times he denies Jesus. He's warming himself by the fire, and all of a sudden you see that this is a charcoal fire just like the one where he denied Jesus in front of him. We'll read that scripture. So, here is John 18, 17. The woman said to Peter, so this is before the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the night that Jesus is, is going to be taken away and arrested, okay? So here's John 18, 17. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of these men's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire. There's a charcoal fire again. Because it was cold and they were standing around it warming themselves. Peter was also standing with them warming himself. Peter denies Jesus two more times right after this. Now Peter sees the fire with Jesus as he's fishing that morning this charcoal fire, and he remembers if he's going to be with Jesus, if he's going to face up to Jesus and actually stare Jesus in the eyes, he's going to come, he's going to have to hit the truth of who he really is, right? And the depths of his neglect of, of Jesus and what he's done. Because if you're going to receive help from the God of the mulligan, you'll too have to face up and acknowledge the truth about your condition. It's one of the most important things. Facing up to reality. Taking off the mask that we want to wear. And this is, the, this is the real me in all my brokenness. In all, every, everything that's wrong with me, this is the real me. Take off your mask. It's one of the most important things that we could learn this morning. So there's this old story. It's not a true story, but it's a fun story. It's about a man who is desperate for a job. And he answers a zoo ad, and he goes to this interview, and they say, well, the real job is to dress up like this gorilla. And the guy says, oh, he boxed that at first, and then finally he did money so bad that he accepts this job. So he dresses up like a gorilla, and at first he was pretty timid for a couple days. Then he starts getting more bold, and he starts swinging from the ropes. Well, one day he swings so high that he lands in the cage next to him, and it's the lion's cage. He forgets his disguise. He begins to scream for help. At which point the lion says, Shut up, you idiot, or we'll both lose our jobs. 
<laughs> Wearing masks can become a way of life, don't they? It can just, we, we get so used to it, we don't even think that we're pretending, that we're hiding, that we're not being our authentic selves in front of others. It just becomes a way of life. Pretending to be happy when we carry this secret ache inside. Pretending to be spiritual and so spiritual when there's a great distance between you and God. Pretending to have the perfect marriage when our relationships are, are major problems. Peter remembers as he stood by the fire and he failed God that morning. So breakfast is now over. They're standing by the fire. It's probably just Jesus and Peter. And we read this in John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Peter hears the question that would pierce his heart, that would heal him, that's actually going to bring him back to life. And the question is, do you love me? Jesus doesn't ask, are you, you, you going to try harder, Peter? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, are you sorry for what you've done, Peter? You know you denied me three times at my most crucial moment of my life. He doesn't say that. He didn't say, Peter, do you promise to never fail me again? No. Jesus simply asked this question, and I think that question is being asked of each of us today. Do you love me? Do you love me? This is Jesus' question. It's, it's not easy, nor is it comfortable for us to ask to, and actually answer honestly. Because sometimes... It's hard for me because sometimes I'm so full of myself. And Peter says, yes, Lord, but he doesn't truly trust his ability to assess his own heart. So he says, you know everything. You know, Jesus, you know. And I understand Peter's answer. Lord, you know as best as I can. I do love you and I want to love you even more. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. You know what Jesus is saying there? Get back in the game. Love, teach, guard, guide, serve in my kingdom. Get back in the game, Peter. You've gone back to your old life. You went back to fishing. It's time to regain what those three years we spent together and move forward. Get back in the game. And then Jesus repeats this. Do you love me? Three times. Until Peter's hurt. Look at John 21, 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So why does Jesus keep asking? What's the significance of the repetition Guess what? He's being healed by the Lord of the second chance. He's being healed up not once, but three times he stood by the fire, that charcoal fire, days earlier and denied his best friend. And not once, but three times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? 
and he professes his love by that fire three times. Jesus asks to everyone who's ever stood by that fire or a fire and failed, do you love me? If you do, get back in the game. In the movie City Slickers, uh, Billy Crystal's trying to console a friend whose life's in shambles. Life's falling apart, apart. his marriage is over, his career's destroyed, Uh, he's ready to end his life, and Billy Crystal's character just says this, take a do-over. It's like when we were kids playing a game and things went really badly, just start over again. Take a do-over. He's saying take another mulligan. You guys, the first question is, and I want you to know this, hear me. The first question is not, how much do I love God? The first question is always, God, how much do you love me? And when you know the depths of that answer, that you are truly loved beyond words and comprehension by God, then we can answer like Peter did, and we can say, yeah, Lord, I love you. You are fully loved. You have infinite worth. God died for you. You have infinite worth, more than you could ever imagine in the entire world. Warren was a promising junior executive at IBM who was involved in a risky venture for the company, and it ended up losing IBM $10 million. He was called in the office of the CEO, Tom Watson, the founder of IBM, the CEO for 40 years. And the junior executives completely overwhelmed, guilt and fear, not knowing what to do or what to say. And he finally blurts out as he's sitting there next to Tom, I quit, I resign, I'm done. I'm so sorry I lost you $10 million. Here is my resignation. And Tom Watson's response is this. You must be joking. I just invested $10 million educating you. I can't afford your resignation. True story. And I imagine Peter had a very similar conversation with Jesus on a regular basis. Peter makes this famous confession in Matthew 16, 16 that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus starts to have a dialogue with his disciples that he's going to have to go to a cross and die. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. Remember that? And then Jesus says, Peter, you're speaking from Satan. Remember that? And I imagine Peter Peter saying, you're right about me. I speak impulsively. I'm always putting my foot in my mouth. Here's my resignation. And I imagine Jesus saying, You must be joking. I invested my life in a revelation in you. I can't afford your resignation. On the Sea of Galilee, Peter hops off the boat, begins to walk on water, but he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He's overwhelmed by fear and doubt. He almost, he would have drowned if it wasn't for Jesus. And Jesus bails him out, and Jesus diagnoses his problem. You have little faith. And I imagine Peter saying, you're right about me. I'm full of questions and fears. It doesn't take much. It's this little storm. Throws me off kilter. Here's my resignation. And I imagine Jesus saying, you must be joking. I just invested a miracle in you. 
I can't afford your resignation. At the greatest crisis of Jesus' life, Peter said, I'll follow you no matter how much it costs, no matter what everybody else does. Jesus, I will follow you no matter what. And then he couldn't even follow for one night. He denied his best friend three times. And I imagine Peter saying, you're right about me all along. I failed you at the most, most important moment in all of these last three years. I denied and abandoned you. Here's my resignation. And I bet you Jesus said, you must be joking. I just invested three years of my life in you. I just invested a resurrection in you. I can't accept your resignation. I can't afford it. Because the church is the place for people who need do-overs. That's what God does. That's what our God does. So two men, this is my last story, and then we're going to sing a, a song to end things up. And if you need prayer today, we'd, our ministry team would love to pray and minister to your wherever you're at. So two men were in an art museum, and they came upon a painting of a chess game. One character looked a lot like a man, and the other character looked a lot like the devil. So the man is down to his last piece on the chessboard, and the title of the painting is Checkmate. Now one of the two men staring at this painting, as he's staring at it, is a, a chess champion, a well-known chess champion, and um, he begins to study this painting. And he starts nodding his head and starts moving his hand. And then he says this to his friend that he's with. We have to find the man who painted this picture and tell him either to change the picture or to change the title. And the man, his friend said, well, why? And the chess champion said, well, it's titled Checkmate. But the devil doesn't have the man in Checkmate. You see, the man's king still has one more move. No matter where you're at this morning, the king still has one more move in your life. Because this is Easter hope. On Good Friday, they tried him, they judged him, they whipped him, they beat him, they mocked him, they scorned him. They hung him on a cross to die and laid him in a tomb to rot. Suddenly the devil, Pilate's army, the religious leaders, they're all shouting out, Game over. Game over, Jesus. Time to go home. It's checkmate. But let me tell you, the king had one more move. They were all wrong. The heavens were shouting, Mulligan, Mulligan. You guys, whatever you face today, Whatever you face, no matter how difficult, the promise of Jesus to everybody who trusts in him is there is hope. That situation that you're facing that seems hopeless, there is hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Even when it feels like checkmate, guys, because of Jesus' resurrection, this king still has one more move. And God's invita invitation today 
is a do-over. Do-over. It's a mulligan for you and me. Let's just start over. You guys, redeeming is what God's into. God's all about redemption. He's the finder of directionally challenged sheep. He's the searcher of missing coins. He's the embracer of foolish prodigal sons. God's favorite department is the lost and found. Right? Yeah. He's the God of the do-over. Lord of the second chance. Take them all again today. So why don't you guys stand with me? And here's where I'm going to need your help. We're going to pass the cross. And so as we pass it, I just want you to keep your hands up. Watch your neighbor's head. And people on this side, if you guys just put your hands up and hold the cross. And we're just going to pass it across all four sections, okay? And today, if you need a second chance, if you need a mulligan, if you need a mulligan today, guess what? Today's your day. Reach up and grab that cross and say, God, here I am. I need a second chance. I need a mulligan. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. Because there's no second chances without the cross. The empty cross gave birth to the most death-defying, grave-defeating, fear-destroying, inspiring, transcendent joy in the history of the world. Because the empty tomb, death lost its sting, the grave lost its victory, hell was undone, death was dethroned, darkness was derailed. Can you guys bring it back? Kind of pass it back this way and let's get it over here. Bring it up here. Right over here. Get to the end and what do we do now? <laughs> Bring it over towards the baptismal now. Yeah. Guys, help help carry it down. Watch the end. Bring it up over here. On Easter Sunday, guys, the tomb was empty. Watch it, watch out, watch out the end. Yeah, right here. Great. Sunday, guys. The tomb, yeah. Easter Sunday, the tomb was empty. Hope was restored. Faith was vindicated. Sin lost. Shame died. Hope, res- hope soared. And love won, guys. Love won. Love won. So let me give you three practical tips really fast, and they're short this time. So let's do, let's do the first one. Number one, if you're going to receive help from the God of second chances, take a mulligan. Take a mulligan, but you will have to acknowledge the truth about your condition like Peter. Face reality, take off your mask. Guess what? 
Jesus was okay when Peter took off the mask. And I want you to know God's big enough to handle it, okay? God's big enough to handle your brokenness and your woundedness. And guess what? Our church is too. It's okay. Your brokenness is brokenness. It is what it is. But it's time to take off the mask. Stop pretending. Shoot straight. Stop pretending. Number two. If you're embracing your mulligan today, jump into the life of the church. This is the most common mistake that I, I that happens in people's lives. They're like, God, I want to take my mulligan. I want to take my second chance. Yes, I'm going to do this. And then the world just sucks them back in and they don't get involved in the life of the church where they can grow and mature and there's other people to help them along the journey. I want to encourage you to jump into the life of the church whether it be Sunday connections, our growth groups, outreach community events, do like each other. This will help you grow. And the last one, number three, we just finished our 40 days of recommended spiritual practices. Keep going in your established time with God. If you started ha having new habits in your life, keep going with those things. Don't let that die now that it's Easter Sunday. So here's what we're going to do. Why don't we have the ministry team come forward? And we're going to sing this song. And today, if you need a second chance, the king still has one more move in your life. I believe it. If you need a second chance, if you want to take a mulligan today, come get some prayer. Maybe you just want to come up and you want to touch the cross. That's okay. Go for it. Right? So let's sing this song. And ministry teams up here, if you need prayer for anything. Let's sing.